This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome to another Flying Solo Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be talking with a man who's painstakingly pulled apart and rebuilt his program of marketing activity. More in just a moment. Don't forget, if you're listening via iTunes, we'd love you to post a brief review of the show. It helps us enormously. And of course, we welcome comments and discussion on Facebook or via the page this show has on flyingsolo.com.au. Okay, back to our inspector of marketing. Warwick Mahaley isn't a marketing person at all. In fact, he's a partner in the architectural practice Mahaley Slocum, based in Carlton in Melbourne. Alongside his work, he lectures on design and construction and writes very candidly about life in a small creative business on his blog, panfilocastaldi.com. Panfilo Castaldi, of course, being the 14th century Italian credited with the invention of movable type, like you didn't know that. Anyway, now, I first came across Warwick when a mutual friend, quantity surveyor and all-round good guy, Jeffrey Moyle, sent me an email that said, you have to read this. And I'm very pleased I did. So let's let's bring Warwick on. Hello, Warwick. Hi, Robert. Look, thanks for joining us. So the post that you wrote as an architect uh, earlier this year, 4th of March this year, was entitled The Mystery of Marketing. And it was a blow-by-blow kind of summary of some work that you did to really look into what you were doing marketing-wise, what worked and what didn't. Could you just perhaps give us a little bit of a background. What really kind of compelled you to undertake this this uh, kind of no mean feat that you did? Uh, well, we um, run a very small practice. There's, there's just three of us. And as such, we manually do basically all of the business administration ourselves. Right. Um, and I guess like a lot of... Um, family-run businesses were constantly doubling and, and messing with our systems and so on. And it started to um, become apparent uh, about a year and a bit ago that we were getting a large, uh, an increasing number of leads from um, a certain source, which was online, um, places that we were online, mm-hmm. but that none of these were converting into projects. Okay, so the phone was ringing, but it wasn't turning into uh, having to open up the cash register. Correct. So we were getting leads, but they weren't qualified leads. They were tire kickers, okay. Um And this is something that we would discover pretty quickly when mm-hmm. we first met with these potential clients. And so, the, but then the relationship went nowhere. Right. Okay. So you were burning a you know, typical sort of small business story, I guess, particularly in a, in a kind of service-related business where you're spending a lot of time talking to potential clients but weren't getting them over the line, converting them into business. 
Right. That's right. And we normally have a pretty good success rate. We um, typically convert somewhere between um, a third to a half of every phone call that comes in into an actual project. Mm. And for an architecture practice, I think that's actually a pretty, uh, pretty great outcome because… Yeah, it sounds very strong. I mean, you're not talking about a few hundred dollars. You're talking about, you know, big projects. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Big money for a lot of people. Yep. Um, and we were getting, I think we won one commission out of about 25 inquiries or something like that over a period of time. Um, and that commission actually dried up very quickly. It didn't turn out to be a good fit. So we started asking, what, trying to work out whether or not there was some sort of pattern to this. Yeah, okay. Well, fantastic. And look, firstly, you clearly had started some uh, what a number of people might call sort of good activities. You know, you're getting leads. But, but uh, you know, clearly what you're saying is there's leads and there's leads. You know, there's leads that you can convert into good business and there's leads that are just burning up your time. So by the sounds of it, then it kind of got to a level where you just decided, right, enough is enough. I've got to, I've got to kind of do something about this. So where did you start then? What did you start doing? Um, well, I'm a big believer in uh, knowing thyself, and right. so I um, I went back through every single project lead we'd ever received, and we store all of our emails um, within our filing system. Mm. So I was able to go back through every single one and discovered that we actually had pretty good information about um, each lead in a basic way. And so yeah, okay. we. So how far back? Us. How far back did you have to go? Well. We started our practice in 2010, but Erica, my wife, and I, um, but we were both uh, running private jobs on the side while we were working for other practices before that. So the very first year was 2005. Wow. Um, but then the five years that followed, they were pretty, pretty uh, lean years because sure. we were Doing, doing other things. things but nonetheless yeah. you went so you went back in in sort of in, in broad terms you went back as far as kind of 10 years but the bulk of the the business was more recent than that so that, yeah, that's that's file. a long way back okay so you went through every file and you looked at what you looked at where the where the, the lead first came from yes we looked at the lead source we looked at whether or not there was a particular project that had inspired the initial contact we looked at where the project was located um, and whether or not we had been requested to submit a fee proposal and whether or not that fee proposal had been accepted. Okay. And just for, for people listening, I should point out that you didn't just kind of go through files and read things. You have on your blog, and I'll make sure I give a, a link to that at the end, you've absolutely mapped out in a beautiful, beautifully designed architectural sort of manner um, <laughs> Every part of this process, haven't you? So you did it. You've done not just done it, but you've done it thoroughly and meticulously. Well, if you're going to do something, you may as well do it well. True. Um, yeah. Look, the the spreadsheet was essentially the genesis of this, and that dates back to a, a, over a year ago. And mm. then from that point forwards, we've now just have a practice of logging every single new inquiry as they come in and if it if a lead turns into a project then flipping it over into that category and so it's an ongoing spreadsheet and um, constantly evolving and in fact every now and again I had new detail to it Um, and what I did in March of this year was I just condensed that into a description of what had happened and um, 
and put together all of the findings uh, into a series of infographics, basically, that tried mm. to, to quantify visually what I'd found um, by examining our own experience. Perfect. And let me, let me just, I'm going to go back in a moment, but let me just ask you, why did you do that? You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to create nice infographics. You didn't have to share the working, internal workings of your business with others. Why did you do it? Well, the, the beautiful infographics are because I'm an architect and I love beautiful things. Right. Um, <laughs> But I've been writing this blog for about the same length of time that we've been running a practice. Mm -hmm. And so one of the great things about writing a blog is that you need to feed it yep. with new things to write about. And more and more in the last couple of years, I've been writing about uh, business and practice-related issues, architectural practice-related issues. Um, and so and I... So I guess it's, a, it's quite a cathartic process to write mm. something like this because it forces me to distill maybe a whole floating cloud of different ideas or thoughts or observations into a single um, recognizable narrative. And so by pushing it out into a series of infographics and taking a stranger through you know, the reader, through yep. um, the process, it um, forced me to articulate the process. Mm. Look, yeah, and, and, it's very, very useful. Yeah, look, and I, what I think is so interesting is you're doing something that so many people would probably a never think of doing, and then if they did, they they would quickly decide that they wouldn't do it because it, it's quite unusual for somebody to be so open about this is how I secure my business. This is all. This is how I win clients. This is how seriously I take the growth of my business. Bearing in mind that a number of people reading that will undoubtedly be people that are considering using you to build a house or do whatever other work you might want to do for them. So, it's. It, I think it's fantastic, but it's it's interesting. Have you had other architects saying, "What are you doing? Why are you sharing all this?" And do you have other people just um, surprised by what you've done? Um. That is a very good question. I think, and it's a subject of some interest to me because I have a, a general position that um, we mutually become better at what we do through sharing. Mm. I, would, uh, I would totally agree with that position, but it's yeah. not a common one. Um, and architects are traditionally very bad at sharing, mm. uh, particularly in certain ways. We love talking about projects and we love talking about design and uh, the genesis of ideas. But when it comes to business and when it comes to the tightly held secrets of how we actually get clients and what we do to keep them and, and so on, um, there is a, a notable absence of um, community-like-minded spirit in that yes. regard. So what have you uh, just, I mean, this is a bit of an aside, but I think it's a very relevant one. So what have you noticed from that? Have you, have you, have you had people coming up saying you're crazy or have you had more people coming up saying, oh, my God, this is so refreshing? I mean, where's the, where does the balance lie? Oh, look, I'm sure there are plenty of people who think I'm crazy, but they've been kind enough not to say so. Um, I think the internet is one of those places where it's harder to be aggressive and it's easier to be positive. So generally speaking, the feedback we get is um, – uh, really positive yeah. and it's helped me create new um, relationships with um, the architecture community around um, Melbourne and Australia mm. um, and in fact just recently we had one of the the people that I've connected with via the blog and via Twitter 
um, write an essay in response to that article um, going through his numbers. Um, so that was really great to see in, someone. In a, in a very different business? No, also in architecture. Oh, okay. um, someone actually who's both an architect and a builder, so a slightly oh. different business model. Yeah, okay. Um, and it was just good to see two things. One, someone else being willing to share and two, um, someone who's actually collecting this sort of information. Yeah, right. And look, it, you wouldn't have to squint your eyes too much to imagine that the um, one of the architectural associations would pretty soon be inviting you to come along and talk to a, a room full of architects. Well, I've been talking to students a bit, actually, oh, and okay. this um, this marketing article segued into uh, architecture practice lectures I gave at both Melbourne University and RMIT this semester. Uh-huh. Um, and you could tell the students in the audience who were thinking about starting their own practice or already had a job on the go because they were the ones who came up to me afterwards with burning burning fire in their eyes and <laughs> a thousand questions to help them go through go through it yeah well that's fine look i've i must tell you i've i've uh, absolutely permanently bookmarked your article because i keep whispering into my teenage son's ear be an architect be an architect <laughs> um, and i know how hard it is to make a living and to succeed as an architect but I think with uh, with articles like the one that um, that you've written there and a number of others you've written makes the process a you know certainly a, an awful lot clearer. Anyway, let's get back to the topic. So, yeah. so you went through this. You've um, as I say, you've you've ended up. This has culminated in a in a in a very visually aesthetically pleasing article on the whole process. But when you went through this, then and you what did well? Firstly, perhaps you could just summarise what did you discover? What what really works and what really didn't work. Well, the very first insights that I gained um, or that we gained as a small business um, came just from the numbers themselves and things like um, the regularity of leads that we were getting, as in how many, how, how often the phone was ringing, yep. which we, um, uh, and I'm trying to refresh my memory of the, the actual numbers now, um, which we discovered was I think once every um, three and a half weeks a, a prospect makes contact. Right. Um, and then the next step was well, how often a prospect turns into a, um, a, a, a client, a project. Yeah. And that was about once every three times. So right up front. So one in top, three is that? Is what, is yeah, that one in three. Yeah, but okay. it also meant that basically once every 10 weeks or so we would win a new project. Got you. And th- this was kind of in – uh, the generals kind of the marketing activity that you were doing everything that you were doing was generating one person every three and a half weeks and one in three of those are turned into business correct and yeah. I, okay. it's worthwhile me noting that like a lot of small business i'm guessing our marketing budget is approximately zero dollars yeah okay um and that's what's a figure i hear often yes yeah um and what's been refreshing about this process is how easy it was to do to analyze our own performance um um, you know, it was a mini little project. It didn't take weeks and weeks of effort to try and no, mine okay. this information. It was very, very simple. Mm. And, you know, I guess that's an aside. Yeah. And do you, as, a, as, a, um, as an architect in your architectural practice, do, is marketing just, you know, historically, is marketing something that you do sort of regularly and constantly? Or when things are really quiet, do you do a splurge of marketing? How, how would you sort of summarize your approach to marketing? Well, I've certainly been told that marketing um, when you're low on projects is the exact wrong way to go about marketing. Yep. Um, we, what's great about being an architect from the marketing point of view is, is there are a lot of um, 
bits of infrastructure set up already to help us along the way, namely um, online printed media. Yep. We want architectural projects and the kind of the, the fairly explicit deal is, is they don't pay us for their content and we don't pay them for the marketing that they then yep. do for us. Gotcha. Okay. And I think that's probably how most architects market or through and through word of mouth is also a very large component. So for sure. us, we also discovered that the most successful conversions were coming from um, family, uh, right. funnily enough, as hmm. well as sort of an extending circle of um, acquaintances. So family, then friends, and then friends of friends and so on. Okay. And so, so when that word of mouth um, was – Occurring, we were already have we already had a great deal of um, we enjoyed a great deal of trust from this. Sure. Um, so the conversion was much much higher. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say family, just to be clear, there you're talking about your own family, not the family of past clients. Um, I'm trying to think whether or not. Oh well, actually no, both. We've okay. done. Um, in fact, there's one particular family, and we seem to have done kitchen renovations or full renovations or mini extensions for it seems like every sibling and, and nephew in the family and they just keep on coming back which is great yeah that's very uh, good but yes sort of the very our very first project was for my parents right um and early projects were then for a widening circle yeah well look i guess if, you, if your parents aren't talking positively about your business then something's wrong isn't it so <laughs> yeah. all right so word by the sounds of it then word of mouth and this this doesn't come as a, as a great surprise to either of us i'm sure word of mouth is coming out as a clear sort of winner in terms of of um marketing that's worked for you and from the sound of your response um to my earlier question you sound to me like you are a fairly sort of um I hate to use the word, but sort of fairly standard marketer in that you, you, you've been doing a bit in the sort of the, all the right channels. You've, you avoid the trap of just doing it when you're really quiet because, as you rightly say, that is not a, not a good look. But it sounds like you've been a sort of steady marketer, but, by the, but also, as you said before, your budget was zero. So you've been a shrewd and steady marketer. But, but nonetheless you found out that um, the word of mouth is coming out as the top source. What were the things then that that you've kind of ceased or changed or what have you learned that hasn't been working for you, that you've been kind of wasting time and possibly some money on? Um, in a very, uh, I think, poignant way, actually, um, uh, uh, the graduate architect who works with us, Jake, posted this uh, article of mine onto his Facebook timeline. Hmm. And then a good friend of his, a guy called Tim, um, then wrote an essay in response telling us basically um, performing a live dissection of our own website and pointing out all the different ways it doesn't work. Um, Tim is a graphic designer. Um, yeah. And we – so the big change is, is that created a relationship Funnily enough, right? Um, and we—it was the inspiration we needed to um, get off our bums and rebuild our online um, profile. Okay. And so, probably the biggest realization was we were getting all these leads from online media sources more than any other lead source. Yeah. Um, but they were the wrong sort of people coming to us, as in they weren't really wanting what we what we do. And as soon as we explained what we did it turned them off right. um, or possibly we just weren't um, 
sufficiently compelling for for them as well. I guess it's a, another real possibility. Sure. So we identified that our website, which we had built ourselves, um, again for zero dollars when we first started out five years ago, had reached its use by date, um, and that we needed to gather together all of our various online outlets, our website and blog and Twitter and Instagram and all that sort of stuff, and really reshape it to be um, suitable for us for the next five to ten years as we hopefully grow and become more um, uh, more established. Fantastic. And so it was that Facebook connection actually that, um, that inspired us. That. Past, we've ended up engaging the graphic design company with whom he works, Watts Design, yep, okay. to um, re- rebuild our website and rebuild our branding and so on. And so was was uh, that's great. So a designer has kind of told you Watts and all this is what I think of you. But yep. um, you were, I guess, already in the position of someone who's been very open about what you've been doing and that hasn't worked. So I guess that kind of suggests, if I was a, if I was that designer, that yeah, if you're going to write anything that this guy's going to take notice of, it better be honest and straightforward. So he gave Absolutely. you, he gave as good as he got from you. It's this clearly works into a sounds like a, a wonderful relationship. And yep. in a nutshell, then, what did you have to do? Was it was it about uh, kind of tone of voice and positioning? Was it branding and colours? Was it was it detail? What what were the sort of things that you realised you needed to change? Oh well, look, we're, it, it, this is still a, a going concern. We've um, a work we've in just, progress. A work in progress. We've yep. actually just started the briefing of the graphic designer and. We're basically pulling the whole thing apart and re-putting it back together again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a so it's a re- it was a realization um, on our behalf that um, I think we I think our realization could have gone in one of two ways. One was you asked before, you know, what have you ceased to do? One yep. one way we could have responded to the information that um, I discovered by doing this. Um, self-research was that online media is not working for us so let's abandon it let's Mm. focus on the things that we're good at which is developing our networks of family and friends and word of mouth and i think that those things are still valid you know we're still going to win projects through those avenues and we should never um, discount them as powerful sources of of new leads but um as this graphic designer pointed out you've only got so many family and friends and eventually they're going to have, everyone will have built something. <laughs> so what do you do when that happens? And so it really, um, it really focused our thinking to say, okay, it's not about abandoning the online presence. It's about reinforcing it and trying to, um, uh, sculpt the top, the type of people who are coming to us, yep. um, and inform them about what we do before they even get, to giving us a phone call or sending us an email, which will hopefully filter out the tie kickers and yep. um, encourage the people who really are interested in engaging an architect um, into into speaking to us um, honestly and and with the intention of um, do, getting some um, you know getting a commission. Sure. Happen. Well, I'm so pleased to hear you say that. So you didn't just stop, but what you've done or what you're working on, by the sounds of it, is a is a, a new sort of level of if you like, self-qualification where people kind of learn a bit more, know a bit more and kind of less people get through to you but the ones that do are the right ones. Well, look, that's the agenda. Yeah. Um, it'll probably take us 12 months to work out whether or not that's happening or not. Sure. Um, but, yeah, absolutely that's the agenda. And it's an understanding that, you know, going through a process like this is expensive. But And the reason, in fact, that this 
um, graphic designer was the one we went with in the end was because they really understood that and understood that um, and I guess this is the first time where we've officially spent money on marketing because it's you know rebuilding a, a mm. website in a way um, that, that that's an investment that it's not just money to spend so that you can look better online it's money to spend so that you can grow your business and generate new projects out of it of course and look and it sounds like you know just to kind of repeat what um what i said a while ago it sounds like you've you've definitely attracted the perfect designer for you because you've got a designer who puts value in an ongoing relationship um in the same way that you do with your clients you know you've got someone who's not just as you say not just shining things up and making them look pretty but is is there for the for the journey with you by the sounds of it and is going to be guiding you and leading you which is you know should be applauded for his business clearly that's right yeah so um right so where we are now then you've you you took the lessons from it you've decided that there's very little that you stop doing but what you're doing is re sort of evaluating what you're doing you're repositioning yourself um, to a fairly large extent so that um, there's more sort of qualification of of leads, of people coming through to you. Um, fantastic. So, I mean, whilst you say it's been expensive, I guess what you're committing to now, particularly with your designer, is um, a, a program of kind of redesign and rebuild that, yes, I'm sure there's there's a number of dollars attached to that. But the beauty, again, of course, I guess from the work you've done is it's very measurable now or will be very tangible. You can say, okay, it's costing me this much, but it's going to bring me this much. That's right. And I mean, we've done some simple maths on where we think that will go though. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it measures. I think we'll, you know, we'll draw a line in the sand the the day that the, the new website is launched and a new branding is launched and just yeah. see what happens, see whether or not um, the statistics change in any meaningful way. I mean, we've we've noticed. It'll be interesting to see. I guess we're, yeah, we've okay. already noticed shifting um, in the way uh, practice is um, uh, gaining new new leads and new projects. And I mentioned before that we were um, winning new projects um, once every ten weeks or so. But actually, that was an, a long term average over the last five years. Um, last year we won um, a new project every seven weeks. Right. And part of it, the engagement of the graphic designer is also identifying what our ideal client is and who we want to connect with. And for a residential architect, that's really, really hard mm. because everyone lives in a house Yeah. Um, and you can't just go and get a mailing list of everyone. No. Um, our clients are, are not... You know, we don't just have dentist clients, which would be easy to contact. You can sure. just go and get a mailing list for dentists. Mm. Um, so it's it's quite challenging for us to go and connect with our um, uh, potential clients. But we know that we want to try and, um, as, as we go, we want to try and attract certain type of commission. Yep. And that one of the um, the deaths of a small architecture practice is really, really tiny little commissions that um, make you busy but actually don't assist in growing a business. And yeah, I think that the other thing that this marketing process has crystallized for us is, is that we noticed that we were getting more regular commissions, but the commissions were of smaller value than we would really ideally like, yep. um, and which isn't really sustainable for us. And so part of the graphic design decision was also about taking a, le a leap um, and that understanding that businesses need to 
um, think bigger than they currently are and then hopefully grow to fill their um, aspirations. Um, And so... Um, getting a whiz bang new website will, um, which is probably more than we can afford, will mm. hopefully allow us to grow into those shoes and um, actually get benefit out of it. Yeah, and look, uh, uh, it would be fascinating. I must, um, if if you're willing, I must talk to you again in a year's time, maybe, and see how things are, mm. are progressing. But it's 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 um, wonderful to hear you talk about it like this. And it's funny. I remember. Um, an architect that I suspect is um, is is not dissimilar to your good self in in the work that this this couple do down in the um, south coast uh, near Sydney, and uh, I remember reading a, a wonderful article about them in one of the magazines. I think two years ago and there is absolutely no way that I would contact them because I know I couldn't I wouldn't be an ideal client for them but it's kind of in my um in my drawer of people that I want to work with and when I get myself into a position where I could be their client I know where I want to go and I think that often as businesses we forget that this sort of stuff does happen you know that there might well be people going through our business seeing what we're doing reading about what we're doing and they kind of know they're not right for us, but one day they want to be. And that's another quite hard to measure group. But um, I'm sure that by what you're doing, well, some of it I'm imagining must be a little bit scary for you. Um, I think you're going to n- move yourself to a new level where you do get those people and some of the other ones will maybe have you in their filing cabinet and come back to you in a couple of years. Who knows? Look, I absolutely agree. It was something I was speaking to the students about um, A, that architecture in particular of most businesses is a very long, drawn-out affair, that we finish projects once every couple of years, which Mm. means that it's very hard to to, to consistently generate marketing content for the journals and so on until you reach a certain size. Um, And also that there's a bit of – there's actually a bit of magic, I think, to um, this business about – growth of a business from day one to, say, year five or year ten. And the way I characterise it to the students was to say, well, if we're getting a call every three and a half weeks and um, we're winning a new project every ten weeks and we're only finishing a project every one or two years um, and I actually demonstrated to them a connection between the completion of our first project and the commission for a subsequent project um, three years down the track and all the right. things that had to happen yep. between those two. And I said, you've got to the, – the, the, the magic that happens is, is that we actually had to continue working and continue surviving and continuing being at to answer our phones and, and be online and have fresh content on our website and so on so that when that person decides to call every three and a half weeks, we're there to pick up. Absolutely. So doing it part-time or doing it um, – uh, half cocked is just is probably a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, or not disaster, but just failure. You'll just never quite grow it. You'll stagnate and it'll just eventually fall away. Yep. Um, so I'm hoping that there is a lot of what you've just described and that things that we're doing now um, may, which may have no apparent benefit um, to our business today are in fact boiling away or bubbling away and mm. will come to the boil in five years or ten years down the track. And yep. We just have to basically hang on until we can start reaping those rewards. Yeah, well said. And, look, <laughs> and you know, so much of this is is that whole notion of, of sowing a seed, isn't it? It's just, you know, having being able to 
go about your daily business while nurturing your blog, building relationships, turning up at various meetings and presentations just to purely to meet people and sow another seed. And it's the, it's so often the thing that um, a busy service business just stops doing when they get busy and you just can't do that. And that's, I think, what certainly what this is has, has proven to you in, to, to some degree is just the the value of that you've just got to keep doing it but what you've hopefully learned through this whole process is much much greater clarity about where your time should go you know what what you should concentrate on yeah uh, yeah absolutely i think um i think it helps when you're running a business to actually enjoy business yes uh, it seems like an obvious statement but mm. i suspect that most people um well, not necessarily most people, but a lot of people with a passion for something get into business to pursue that passion and that the business is really um, an, a necessary evil yep. in, to allow them to practice architecture or teach yoga or sell ice cream or whatever the case might be. Yep. Um, and it's not to say that um, flipping that is ideal. In fact, I think that's terrible. There's no way I'd want to be anything other than an architect. Um, but having a similar passion for the business side of things actually makes that whole thing much better, Brilliant. not just for marketing, but for the administration and for you know spending the time. I enjoy writing, and I enjoy writing about this sort of stuff. And if I didn't, then the blog would be a terrible chore, and really, it would just never survive. Yeah, be a wasteland. Oh, I think yeah. well said. I think that's that's a that's a great point. And I think if you can learn to really love your work as much as the 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 actual work that you do, and clearly you've turned it by the sounds of it into a you know something that it's a real pursuit for you and anybody that reads this post on your blog will see that you've designed it beautifully which clearly you know um, ticks all the boxes for you as a, as a designer and creative i think it's a, a wonderful example of that so look people that want to see that particular post it's called the mystery of marketing it's at panfilo castaldi which is p-a-n-f-i-l-o castaldi c-a-s-t-a-l-d-i.com panfino sorry panfilo castaldi.com the mystery of marketing or just send a note to flying solo and we'll send you a link to it so look warwick it's been fabulous having here i'd like to close up if i may with a with a, a question completely sort of left field i have in front of me um, a list of 20 questions you don't know what they are but i do um, uh -oh. and i'd love you to choose any number between one and 20 and i'm just going to throw a question at you number seven Number seven. Okay. What's your number one way to wind down? <laughs> Keep it clean. <laughs> Family <laughs> audience. Okay. Um, well, in that case, my number two way. Okay. Just joking. Um, look, this sounds horribly nerdy and on topic, but it's, it is, in fact, dabbling away at the blog. Oh, um, and... When I'm on holidays, I, you know, read books and kick back by by the swimming pool as much as my kids will allow me. Yep. But um, after a day of um, work, um, sitting on the couch um, with the computer open and just um, messing about with the next article is the way to for me to clarify my thoughts and um, be productive. That's fantastic. I remember you reminded me of um, of, a, of an expression I heard recently, which is. Um, kind of goes against this whole notion of following your passion in business and instead uh, the way that this guy talks about it is taking your passion with you rather than following it so mm. in whatever you do take your passion with you and you've clearly found in your blog a way to um, 
you know practice your creativity and and through your as you say through your role as a business person as well as an architect and so much so that you can sit on the couch with the kids and and as you say dabble that's terrific yeah. Well, look, Warwick, thank you so much for, for spending your time with the Flying Solo community and uh, I wish you well and I hope your phone rings. Well, not that often, but whenever it does ring, it rings with somebody ideal. That would be perfect. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Cheers. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 